Welcome, friends, to Behind the Text, a podcast from First Covenant Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm Pastor Evan, and I'm glad you've joined us as we continue to talk about atonement. You may have noticed, we took a little break. Not to worry, though, I have returned with more Bible words. Today, ransom. Let's get going. So far, we have looked at some general thoughts on the atonement. At this point, we can begin to unpack some common biblical images of the atonement. We noted from the beginning that often people get fixated on one image of the atonement as the operative and only way to understand what Jesus accomplished through his death and resurrection. It was simply a victory over death, some will say, or it was only penal substitutionary, or it was simply an example for us to follow. Surely, there was more to it than that. The New Testament is full of images of the atonement, some of which make no sense without understanding the Old Testament. It is important to note, as William Carver states, quote, theories of the atonement root themselves in conceptions of the nature and character of God, his holiness, love, grace, mercy, etc., of man, his nature, disposition and capacities, of sin and guilt, unquote. Common images of relationship repair are how the New Testament often conceives of atonement. As we consider these images, we will use the words of Jesus to focus our attention on what he accomplished through his work on the cross. Consider Mark 10.45, where Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Greek word used here for ransom is lutron. Broadly speaking, the word category for lutron means to loose, untie, or break off. More specifically, the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament points out that there are three Old Testament Hebrew words that could stand behind our New Testament Greek idea. Hebrew word number one is kafar, to wash away, cover, or atone. The idea here, according to Frederick Buschel, is not a simple cancellation of a debt, but a vicarious offering to atone for the debt. The second term is gall, which is like rescuing someone from bondage, particularly someone close, like a family member. And the third is padah, which has in mind the payment itself more than the transaction. As a for instance of padah, the Levites are the padah of Israel. See Numbers 3.12. They are the ransom for the firstborn. The idea in mind for all three terms is the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. An animal of value provided as a costly, and in some cases substitutionary, sacrifice that covers over the sin of the individual, family, or people. When Jesus says he is the ransom, it is the first sense of the word that is most operative here, kafar, in exchange of life for life. Now, in saying that, don't exclude the other concepts. They should still stand with this idea of ransom. The idea of ransom in mind should not be flattened out. The fact of the matter is the New Testament uses a number of concepts to understand atonement. Even the individual words themselves are full of layers of meaning. What sin does to our relationship with God is grave as much as it is complex. Think of any relational breach you've had in life. Even a misspoken word is more than a misspoken word. If human relationships are that complex, how much more our relationship with the God of the universe? On the flip side, how much greater our relationship with God when things are made right? 
dwell on that for a while. Jesus isn't the only one to use this idea of ransom in the New Testament. Picking up on the same theme, the Apostle Paul uses the concept in Galatians and in Romans. In Galatians 3.13, Paul tells us what actually happened through Jesus' sacrifice. Quote, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, unquote. This makes sense with the idea of ransom. As, again, Friedrich Buschel points out about the word ransom, quote, what is at forfeit is human life, and for this a lutron, ransom, is presented, which may be accepted or refused, unquote. The vicarious offering that releases us from the ultimate consequence of sin, namely death and eternal separation from our Creator God, is the main takeaway of Jesus' words in Mark 10.45. The idea is strengthened by Jesus' words about serving rather than being served. Paul simply cuts to the chase to tell us in simple and specific terms how Jesus ransoms humanity. To round out our picture of ransom, we can add Romans 6, 6-7. Here Paul tells us the effect of Jesus being the ransom for sin. Quote, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin, unquote. Finally, we should note, Jesus did all of this for you and me. It is a work outside of our own capacity, and thus a gift offered to you and me. We have no power to fully atone for our relational brokenness with the Holy God. Only Jesus can ransom us or loose the bonds of sin that entangle. Jesus offers but does not force us to receive. Jesus did the work that frees. The question to you, are you better off as a slave to sin or ransomed and set free? Thanks for listening. If you benefited from this podcast, I guarantee one of your friends will too. Share this podcast via text, social media, or email. If you want to suggest a future podcast theme, go to firstcovenantlincoln.org media and use the form to submit your questions and ideas. I'm Pastor Evan, and I'm thankful you took this journey with me. Let's do it again soon.